Hi again, welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded, episode 109. This time, Adrian from the Sophie's team here, joined by our CEO, Renault. Renault, hi again. Hi, and hi everybody. Yeah, how's it going? Yes, good. Uh, I'm just enjoying the summer over here in the UK. It's nice to have some nice sunshine and some decent weather. And of course, I think very, very different to summer in South China. Oh, yeah. South China now is is the start of the, um, the long, painful season, right? Mm. It's, it's warm and humid and either it's raining very heavily or it gets super hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you're not in an area of China where there are lots of lockdowns and things like that going on. That would be even less fun. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, poor, you know, uh, maybe some people who listen are in that situation and that thing. Mm. It's, that's maddening. And I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I hope it comes to an end soon. That's all I can say. We were talking off air before we started the episode, you know, like here in the UK, there are now, it, it's it's almost not even spoken about anymore. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it's still good to be careful, but I, I think there's got to, you got to try and find a way to move on with normal life now, I suppose. Yeah. If you're far away from China or Taiwan or Hong Kong or or North Korea, <laughs> one of these countries where it's still a pretty serious thing. Yeah, it's people are getting back to their lives, of course. Yeah, but here it's like I don't know. It's you know we're hung up on some you know to twenty twenty mm. and um, not moving forward. So anyway, let's let's wait and see. Let's see how it gets unlocked. Yeah. Hopefully. I've heard rumours of some changes in the pipeline, which could be positive. But until we see, you know, more evidence of changes, uh, I don't think we can talk about it right now. But we do periodically cover COVID and what's going on in Asia and China specifically. So uh, when we've got more news on that, we will cover it. But not today. Today, we're talking about visibility in your supply chain. So uh, supply chains around the world are coming under increasing scrutiny, I'm sure you'd agree, Renaud, and Mm -hmm. especially in certain sensitive areas, such as parts of China. So having transparency over who's in your supply chain, where they are, and what they're using in terms of materials, perhaps as well, is even more important for importers today than before. Mm. So I'd like uh, to get from you today how you think it's possible to get more visibility over your supply chain, even, you know, a number of levels down from your main supplier. Right, right. Well, big topic and not always easy. But mm. uh, yeah, we we hear more and more about that and for good reason. And we will keep hearing more and more about it, I think. Having transparency in 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 the supply chain means in simple terms that you know if you buy a product um i don't know a, a machine to make bread for example okay let's take a simple example that people can um, sort of imagine so there are these bread making machines and they um uh, so it gets assembled somewhere let's say it gets mm-hmm. assembled in ningbo but 
in most cases, and especially if you go into the, the showroom and you, you know, of a supply learning board on the Alibaba page and say, I want this model, um, you're not going to get any further than that. You will not know, you know where the plastic casing comes from and where the PCBA and the specific components come from, uh, the, the, the charger and, and, and the cable, the, um, you know, the various internal elements, etc. Right. You, you, you will not know all of that. And that means you don't have transparency into your supply chain. And in some cases, you don't even know where it's assembled. Mm. And that's the worst case. That's, let's say, level zero of um, transparency is that you, you just know you have a supplier, you know, ABC trading company, and you buy from them. And you've never been to the factory. You've never had the opportunity to send your own representatives to check the factory or anything right that's level mm -hmm. zero and this is going to be less and less acceptable and as a bit of background there are regulations so in the u.s there's something about uh not importing not, not putting any product on the u.s market that has been made uh with involvement of slavery or let's say or forced labor mm. from uh, you know involving people from uh, Xinjiang Xinjiang province in western China and that might mean that you know that little piece of rare metal that go into the battery or something you know was mined in Xinjiang or the you know the cotton that goes into the the, the garment come you know is 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 harvested over there it could mm. also mean uh it's made in that uh, facility that maybe uses cheap labor from that province. And that facility maybe is, you know, in Hunan province or somewhere far away. Right. So there's a lot of, uh, it's very wide, very wide. And it, it, if, if for some reason customs and border control in the U S uh, have a suspicion and they request the details and, uh, you know, as the importer, all you can say is, well, you know, I buy it from that company over there. And, you know, that's what I know. Okay, so you, you say it's made in Ningbo. Have you been to the factory in Ningbo? Do you have, you know, a factory, uh, like um, a factory visit report with photos? Do you have some videos of them making your product? Uh, no, no. Then you're going <laughs> to, how to say, um, this is not going to be good. This is not mm. going to be good. And... In the EU, there are also so very various countries have uh, certain regulations, right? So, um, uh, UK has something about modern slavery. The, 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 um, um, Germany has something about um, uh, also forced labor and environmental management in the supply chain that's coming up um, next year. Um, various countries have certain uh, regulations, but there's going to be European-wide um, regulations about supply chain transparency uh, when it comes to social compliance, forced labor, and, and, and others, but also for what they call eco-design, uh, mm. and, and, and that will, you know, eco-design and sustainability, and they will require a lot of transparency. Okay, so this is going to be more and more critical. And it's going to become a matter of compliance, actually, right? So it's, it's moving from nice to have to must have.
right? Mm. So that that you know we're, we're going to hear more and more about that. Interesting, yeah, and it's it's such a huge topic as you say, and it's becoming a real issue. That example that you give about the U.S. border uh, and uh, customs. I mean, the burden of proof is on you, isn't it? It's, it, it's uh, on you, the importer. And the questions they might be asking you, maybe it's almost impossible to answer them if, if you haven't got much more information that, than you're accustomed to getting about exactly. you, about where stuff's coming from, yeah? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. If you don't know, well, it means actually that you are totally open to the possibility of something bad happening and you don't care you know that's the way they're gonna they're gonna see it if mm. and when they start to enforce it seriously and there's a lot of question marks around that however on the european union side it's not a matter of if it's not a, it's not even a matter of when mm. some of these things are coming up in 2023 and it's it's all written down it, it's all available on the internet it, it's a matter of, you know, in the small details, what exactly are they going to require and yeah. what exactly would be uh, visible to whom and how are they going to enforce it? It's like the, the small details are not all um, confirmed, but a lot of the, you know, the meat of the regulations are, are you know, are, um, are out there on the internet, right? And, and one might be a, a regulation, one might just be a directive, right? But um, if, 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 if one of these is, is a quote-unquote regulation, mm. then it's going to instantly become low in all 27 countries. Uh, and, and that becomes much more serious. And just, as in, just to go a little bit deeper into this, yeah, at one point, um, nearly all um, hot goods sold in the eu will need to have a product passport you know a digital product passport mm. that will be like a qr code or barcode or something on the labeling or on the packaging of the product and people will be able to scan it and see you know some some information at the point of sale which makes it easier then for market surveillance authorities and all kinds of people to get all kinds of information and if they have access to large parts of the technical file well they you're going to see the the names of the you know the, the name of the the factory etc cetera, etc cetera. so wow uh it, it's going to force transparency also mm. to a certain extent at least to, to the tier one supplier mm. yeah absolutely that's that's fascinating and a little bit scary as well i i thinking of the ramifications mm. for many importers yeah, some of them will not be happy. I mean, I yeah. talked to a few of them and they're up in arms, but let's see. There certainly is a lot of lobbying against that, but let's yeah. uh, let's see where it goes. Hmm. Okay, so you mentioned some uh, an example of, you know, goods getting impounded at the border, for example. Um, are there any other examples you can give of, of uh, clients we've worked with over the years who have actually had issues caused by not having a good amount of visibility over their supply chain? Well, I I might say that at least 30% of the problems in China come from that. Wow. It would be a very long list, but one that that comes back so often 
is uh, for the, about surface treatment. So you have a, a product with a metal part and you need it to have some kind of, met, of uh, surface treatment such as mm. electroplating or PVD uh, coating or anodizing or something like that. And this is highly polluting and usually the, the assembly factory or even the, the factory that, that made the, the metal part in the first place do not do it in-house. They outsource that. But when, when they found the way to get it to get it made nicely with a nice finish that the, the customer wants, well, they consider it sort of as a, a business secret. They don't want anybody to know, especially not their customer, where mm. that job is done. And that means they basically um, they, they 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 hide that information. And then when let's say they do plating somewhere, and then they um, for whatever reason they change to another plating company, well they're not going to tell anybody because anyway only they know where it's plated. And then you have <laughs> um, you have uh, you know poor finishing on half of the products or or. or or maybe it looks the same, but it's a slightly different alloy, you know, and, and, and suddenly, oh, well, 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 you know, uh, that kind of, of, of nickel alloy, well, maybe doesn't um, uh, doesn't stand well with perspiration, you know. So if it's yeah. often in contact with the skin, uh, there's going to be a major issue with reliability of the product, you know. After three months or six months, it's going to start to look really bad when the old one was okay. And then everybody's scratching their heads you know what happened what happened what happened <laughs> well that's mm. because you you don't know what's going on in your supply chain mm. you, you don't keep tabs over who does what uh right so and that's just one example but uh, yeah there's so many mm. do, do you think it's more likely that asian suppliers would try to obscure information is there a reason why that might happen so i would not say asian um it's definitely a thing with the chinese that's for sure i mean the way they do their uh business dealings in general anyway you know is is not very open uh, right it's it's kind of opaque and they like that opacity and you can't there's a lot of information that's not available in china and mm. sometimes it's even you know forbidden to do certain uh, types of due diligence you might go to jail <laughs> so mm. there, there there's a lack of um, of transparency i mean ask any accounting auditors you know what they think about the the, the books of uh, publicly listed companies in in new york city or in hong kong and uh, they, they will tell you right so the, it's definitely a thing with the chinese uh, it's less of an issue with most other countries, but if I try to trace it back to something, I guess it's got to be with this notion that the network, the personal network, you know, is is extremely valuable. And um, why would I tell you who I work with and so on? This has taken me 20 years, you know, to develop this network. So you deal with me and... And that's it. And then you can benefit from my network, but don't try to to go around me or something because I found this thanks to my network, right? Whereas a more um, um, 
a less Chinese approach, I would say. I don't say more Western or something because it's we're bundling so many countries together. But yeah, an opposite approach would be, well, there's some work that goes into researching these people and confirming that they're okay. There's a process to follow and there's value in that. So maybe, Mr. Customer, you have to pay for that work. But then mm. since you paid for it, you you know you own the deliverables you know who it is right you have the information and that's the way we work uh, mm. but that's the way we we push our, our clients you know when we see that a lack of transparency will be a, a major source of risk for them and it pretty much always is um you know that you know you get to do all the work at the beginning to, to identify and qualify proper suppliers, um, you know, of, of, of components of surface treatment and so on. Uh, and obviously uh, for, for assembly, um, packaging and testing, but then it's, it's your information is your supply chain, you own it and you have visibility and you when you have an issue, you can go, you can, you can send people straight to the source of the problem rather than, Hey, we have a problem with uh, whatever with the PCBA. You know, can we go to the place? Uh, um, uh, we're working with the PCBA guys. You know, don't don't worry, we're gonna solve it. Okay, give me an update. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're working on it. Oh, it should be fine. What did you do? Um, uh, we we did a little something. Blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, uh, hmm. tell me more details. Um, you know, it's complicated, but don't worry, it's it's fixed uh okay you know and then what happens is next time you have the same problem or 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 two batches later or something so that's the that's the situation uh mm. and, and it really flows out of the the you know this chinese thinking that who you know is is so valuable and is, is really um yeah it defines who you are and, and what you can offer right and it's your network and nobody else's network and so on which is okay. why by the way linkedin was never that popular in china anyway because people would not link up to all of their um, their direct real real life connections and um and and actually you know basically tell linkedin and tell everybody in the world these are my connections hmm. <laughs> to them it's, uh, it's sort of private information right highly valuable Wow, but in, interesting. In the US is the opposite. You know, it would be, mm. hey, you know, let's um let's let's share and let's let's get to know people. And you know, I, I help you meet somebody and you will help me meet somebody, you know, later who can help me, but whatever. Let's share. Let's be open mm. about this, right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very illuminating. Interesting that it's uh it's it's quite a specific thing then for China. Um you started talking about some of the issues caused by, you know, lack of transparency. Uh, and that was going to be my next question, actually. So, you know, some of the drawbacks that that uh, will definitely be exhibited when you've got a supply chain that you just don't have visibility over. I, I guess you were talking about some of the, you know, the lack of communication uh, from suppliers and the lack of um, control over what's going on. But let's let's go through them one by one in, in terms of drawbacks then. Right, right. So the first thing is you're gonna have surprises. Stuff's gonna happen that you you just didn't foresee. 
right? Because you can't, if you don't have visibility, you don't have control. Hmm. And you cannot even really do a proper risk analysis. Right? So a lot of people talked about all the changes that Ford and Toyota and some others did when there were massive floods in Thailand in, what, what, when was it, 2011? And then again, when there was the, the tsunami and the, 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 the nuclear, uh, let's say, um, alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was an accident, okay. Um, in, in, um, in Japan, all right, a lot of big groups said, okay, it's not possible. We, like, uh, we didn't even know there were components made over there. And then suddenly our supply gets stopped for six weeks. That's just not possible, right? Mm. When you don't have continuity of supply, your entire business grinds to a halt. I mean, it's true, obviously, for a car assembly factory. Uh, they basically have to stop the, the, the plant. But so many importers, you know, what do they tell their own customers? They sorry, I don't have it. What do you mean you don't have it? You're supposed to always have some inventory, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't have it. And I don't even know when it's going to be back up. Are you kidding me? Right? Mm. So you can lose a lot of business like this and you can get massive penalties also. Um, so you you get surprised because you, you don't know. And for example, when in 2020, when Wuhan and a lot of areas around Wuhan were completely locked down, a lot of people said, oh, do I have something in my supply chain? that's in Hubei or in that general area. And a lot of people said, I don't know. And they were asking their suppliers, you know, their suppliers, (laughs) it's funny because their suppliers will know if their own suppliers are somewhere, but they would would not know the suppliers of their suppliers because everybody's Mm. hiding everything all along the supply chain, Mm. right? So if you have not done the job of uncovering this information in advance, it's too late. You're not going to get all the information you need uh, in a timely manner. So you you have a serious risk of breakdown mm. of, of the supply chain and you will not see it coming, right? Uh, another one, and that's that's a big motivator for, for certain companies is the risk of bad PR. So oh, yeah. Remember in Bangladesh when... The, what is it called? The Tazreen factory burned, and they found some uh, some Walmart labels in there. You know, I mean, mm. Walmart Canada uh, nearly crushed the, the the importer that they were working with over that, and the importer didn't even know that it was made in that Tazreen factory, mm. um, which burned, and it was, it was horrific, right? And then uh, same thing, the Rana Plaza it was a large area. Yes. Some floors were, you know, uh, large um, cutting and sewing workshops. And it crumbles. A lot of people died. Again, it's horrific. And then <laughs> uh, I can tell you a lot of apparel buyers uh, started to sweat bullets because they had no clue if they had some, some of their production in there. Mm-hmm. Right? So what happens is that they were buying through some of these um buying agents, you know, sort of trading companies. Bangladesh, in Bangladesh is very common. And, and, and they would say, okay, it's made in this factory, but, you know, last minute, this, this factory maybe is too busy or 
reconsiders, is, is no longer interested, and then they put it in another factory. Or they give it to that factory, you know, factory A, which actually subcontracts half of the production to factory B. Hmm. Uh, and this is so common, right? And this is also extremely common in China. I'm talking about Bangladesh, but it might be more common in uh, in China. Yeah. Because again, um, <laughs> it's sort of their culture for some it's reason. It's who you know, yeah. Yeah, it's who you know. And, and, and why would you care about where it's made as long as the result is good and that mm. any, anyway you want it all made in uh, in four weeks the 200,000 pieces how you want us to do it you, you know we don't have the capacity anyway just let me handle it will be fine okay right this is the <laughs> the, the mentality of a lot of these uh these, these Chinese entrepreneurs who uh, mm. <laughs> who manage these factories so serious risk of bad image uh if i don't know you have your logo on a soccer ball that is getting sewn by hand by a kid in pakistan and and somebody happens to take a photo of it right yeah. that's, that's really bad so you, you need to have control over the supply chain and again if you don't have visibility you don't have control hmm. um, a, a major one obviously is potential quality issues and i already alluded to it with um the example with plating, but there's so many of them. Because yeah. the thing is, if you don't have visibility, your supplier will think, you know, it's my supply chain, right? Like you're renting their supply chain and they're in charge, they're in the driver's seat and they do kind of what they want. And you don't know, because again, no visibility, no control. Mm. And, and um, if, I don't know, if they, they used to be sourcing a certain kind of um, of polymer for a part of the product, and then that kind of polymer gets a bit more expensive. Well, 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 you know, there's this other polymer, it's a bit cheaper, and it, it looks just the same. So let's just use that one, hmm. right? <laughs> or, uh, well, 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 you know, the, the, the design of the PCBA is... Um, is, is a bit of a pain and uh, and maybe we don't want that component and just you know we have a lot of a um, lot of waste that we need to rework in smt okay let's let's change the design a little bit or let's let's change this component <laughs> and then mm. suddenly well in this specific uh, mode in this specific situation boom the battery completely fails and uh, you know and, and it shuts down and everything how come you, you, how come, how come, how come? They're not going to yeah. tell you they made the change, right? So mm. you're trying to understand the root cause of it and you have no clue. So if it's... Well, I, I guess even if the product works and cosmetically it looks as it should, if the authorities that be find out, that's a non-compliant product right there and it's still going to be you left carrying the can, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the thing is, in most cases, the suppliers are not dumb, you know? They do it in a way that it's, it's not very likely to be picked up by the the, 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 the quality inspections. And then they're going to mm. get paid in full by the time it's shipped out. And then who cares after that? And usually the issues come up in the form of reliability issues, you know, of, of complaints from potential customers that the product stopped working or, uh, you know, the battery got drained and never... Um, 
never recharged or something after you know after 10 cycles mm-hmm. or the, you know it's a bunch of like weird issues that are going to start to come up and by the time you know the the, the how to say uh, there's no longer any smoke <laughs> you don't know where the fire started um it, it's it's mm. pretty messy right and that's why as a side note that's why a lot of companies especially in uh, electrical and electronic products do ongoing reliability testing on mm. every product batch they do a screening uh some samples and they uh they, they yeah they check them more or less in depth and in that way, they actually catch some of this, let's say, uh, unforeseen variation. Yeah. And it's much better to catch it when the product, some products have just been assembled. Uh, nothing's been shipped out yet. You know, much better at this stage than after shipment, after arrival in the importing country and so on. Much, much better for, for the buyer. Mm. So, Quality is a major uh, is a major uh, source of risk here uh, when you don't have visibility and you don't have control. Yeah, and obviously, serious quality issues will trigger also serious delays, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, and maybe expedited shipments and so on, which in turn happen to be serious cost issues, and uh, all the more so mm-hmm. if the quality issues actually happened in the in the field or you know in the in the hands of mm-hmm. users. That becomes extremely expensive, and and PR issues as well. If if uh, journalists catch on that you're doing a lot of air freight these days, I can't imagine that reflects well on companies if that ends up in the press. Uh, that could be, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen instances of this recently, but yeah, yeah. You you um you have a good point, yeah. Mm. And and also by not having visibility. So let's say you. You buy products and then your supplier buys the components and so on. So in this, in this whole supply chain, maybe there's an enormous amount of inventory. And if you knew about it, then you, you would say, okay, we're safe. We don't need to carry so much inventory because anyway, right now at this point in time, they have a lot of extra inventory anyway, ready to go. So they will be, they will be reactive. There's a lower risk mm-hmm. of... Um, discontinuity of the supply chain or maybe you you might see well these guys don't carry any inventory of any of that they will have to do a new batch uh, when i when i order so the lead times are, are likely to be longer so i should i should order earlier and keep more inventory on my side right this is just a uh, one example but there's many uh types of inefficiencies that can come up mm. you don't have visibility mm. Scary stuff and uh, a lot of food for thought there. <laughs> I, I guess whoever's listening is going to be thinking, oh, man, this is this is really bad then. Uh, and rightly so. However, there's a there's a there's a takeaway in this episode, and that is uh, you're going to go through some of the best practices that will help uh, anyone listening to get more visibility over their supply chain. Right. Yeah. So. Obviously, if you're a tiny company, the situation is quite different from um, fr- from that of a very large company. Yeah. Now, there are basically two situations. One is you develop your own product. Well, if you develop your own product, it's actually not usually, okay, it's usually not that much more work 
to do some extra sourcing work on your side. And there are a lot of companies that can help you with that. Basically identify some suppliers and then help you uh, uh, qualify them. It actually doesn't take that much extra effort usually to, to do that job on your side. And then, okay, you're still going to have one supplier that's going to be responsible for the finished product. But just by having qualified the at least the critical um, component suppliers, the critical ones, uh, the most important, those that are... Um, likely to to have an issue those that are you know that's uh, expensive components uh, maybe more complex yeah. and, and so on so for example in the bread making machine yeah, it would be the plastic casing especially if it's um if, if it's custom designed anyway mm. uh, i would be uh would be the pcba it would be maybe one or two other 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 things right uh maybe the display uh there's a big display maybe okay that that might be one you know so you at least for this one, you really these these critical components. You can you can do some of the work and have all this information, and then you tell your supplier that's going to do the assembly, packing, testing, etc. This is who you work with. This is who you buy from. These are their prices, MOQ, uh, lead time, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and you keep the bill of material open to me. You don't start to play games, right? Now, there's the other, there's the opposite case where you don't buy a, 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 you sorry, you don't develop a new product. It's more like you go into a showroom and you say, well, I, you know, this, um, I don't know, <laughs> this 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 knife or uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, this display. Okay, I, I I like it. I just want to buy this one, but maybe. Make the casing in in a new color, put my logo on it, and here's the packaging. Well, most of the product is not yours. I'm just going to yeah. reset an existing product. So <laughs> then it becomes much, much, much harder to know. However, if you're going to buy decent quantities, you might be able to negotiate for some level of transparency. But really, if it's in China, it might be very hard. In some other countries, it might be easier. Um, in places like, um, like 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 India, Vietnam, or Thailand, and so on, it's more about you know on a case by case basis who you work with, right? Mm. And maybe they do a lot of this in house. So if you work with a company that's vertically integrated, does a lot of things in house, well, you know where a lot of the of the of the stuff is made, right? Uh, so you have more visibility actually over your supply chain in that case. But it's it's a it's always going to be a thorny issue right here, but at least, you know, already working directly with a manufacturer that you confirmed as a manufacturer and not as a trading company uh, is already a step in the right direction. If you want more visibility into your supply chain mm-hmm. or, and uh, I understand some people are listening to this and are in effect a, a trading company and they might provide that information about what factory is going to 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 uh, to do the job to their buyers so okay fine uh, i have no problem against this type of trading company uh, now you definitely uh, so so yeah to get back to that if you're a huge company you're going to say okay i want all this information you send it to us or we don't do business right yeah 
And you might even say, oh, I need to see the financials of the company. I need to know how many people work on it, how much they're paid, blah, 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 right? You, you, um, there's no limit to what they might ask. If you're not a huge company, that's not the way it works. So having said all that, there's certain, certain policies. Uh, you, you absolutely need to have a, a manufacturing contract that, that's, that makes it absolutely forbidden to do certain things, right? So for example, there's, if there are certain suppliers that are uh, approved, there's no change of supplier without your authorization. And that's valid for the assembly place also. No subcontracting without authorization. Now, how are you going to, to police that? Obviously, you need to have a right to send your representatives or someone from an auditing agency uh, to, to check the production with minimum mm. uh, min, minimal um, advance notice. Okay. Also, processes. No... no um, no, no change in any of the manufacturing or testing processes without your authorization. This sounds sort of uh, basic and how um, to say, you know, pretty obvious. But there's been so many cases where a relatively unsophisticated manufacturer made some changes without advising the buyer, and then poof, it leads to huge issues. Right. Yeah. So that's, these are the real, you know, the big, um, the, yeah, the, the most uh, beneficial um, pieces of advice I would give if you want best practices mm. uh, to, to, to ensure a certain level of transparency and control over the supply chain. Yeah. And I, I think this fits in well with so many of the things that we've spoken about already. Uh, you know manufacturing agreements and uh, we spoke recently about your quality standard that definitely comes into this as well doesn't it so um i I know andrew uh head of new product developments he's going to be so pleased that you talked about ongoing reliability testing that's that's a good one to uh think about as well but that's a good way to end it so how do you obtain that visibility it's it's something that we do a lot of as well. So in the show notes, I will share some links to some of the uh, solutions that we've got on sophies.com that you can have a look at if you do need that sort of assistance on the ground in China, Vietnam, India, and other Asian countries. But yeah, it's a, a really helpful one today, Renaud. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.